This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Frustrating moments with some well-known people. Uh, I'm Jim Daly, not a well-known person, but a well-known person is with me. It's Charles Paley Phillips. Um, I think you almost forgot what this was all about for a minute. <laughs> I always like do. You, it sounded like you were forgetting. <laughs> I always do. Yeah. Quite most days. Yeah. Where we are and who you are and what we're doing. Well, that's right. That's, that's got deep quickly. Mm. Yeah, it has. Yeah. <laughs> did I not say the blank thing at the top? You did. You did. But it just sounded like you were like going blank. Well. That's on, the name on of the, message. That's the name of the game. On brand. On brand. <laughs> Our MO is just to go blank. <laughs> yeah, we're allowed to. Yeah. How are you? Very well. How are you? Good. You, you, you've had a birthday this last few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, don't remind me. Yeah. What was it, the big 35? 35. Yeah. Officially the age of a journeyman midfielder. Yes. You'd be thinking about your uh, next career. <laughs> Very much, yeah. Do I, go into, do I go into media? Yeah. Do I go into coaching? You'll be investing in properties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> get the old, get, build the old portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe buy a nightclub. Get in just before the housing crash. Yeah, that would be ideal. And then, yeah. No, I, I feel like I'm not the sort of gentleman midfielder who's earned enough money to do that. I'm no. going to go into coaching, I think. So what have you, where have you finished your career? Somewhere not league Athletic. Chesham Athletic. Chesham. <laughs> yeah. Come on, the generals. Um, anyway, uh, it's very sunny today. It is very sunny. It's the very sun nice. Is out. Yeah, mm. we're both in shorts. Yeah, although guy. it did rain earlier, and I was, and I've realised I've got a hole in my shoe, so I've got well, a bit well, of damp every foot. shoe's got one hole in it. I had a second hole in the in the base oh, area. This is the bit bit you don't want a hole in. Very very true. Yeah, so I got quite a soggy sock. Oh dear, but it's dried out now, so that's nice. Thank God for that. The shortest drama ever. <laughs> yeah, um, that's our problems. <laughs> um, we've got quite an epic pod. Yeah, this yeah, week. very long one. Our longest pod. Yeah. I think we just but, couldn't stop talking. We've said that on the tour previously with, yeah. with guests, but on this one we just didn't stop talking. No. Um, but it's a brilliant guest. It's yeah. Lucy Porter. Lucy Porter, who I've been a big fan of for a long time. Brilliant stand-up. 
Um, she's been around for ages doing her work, hasn't she? And yeah. Really well known on the comedy scene in Britain. Yeah. And uh, she's done a lot of fringe shows, I know. Yeah, 13, I think it was. Wow, it? that is a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So very prolific. Yeah. And really nice. Oh, lovely, lovely person to sit and down and have a chat with. Really easy to talk to. And we talked about all different things, didn't we? Went all over the place. Yeah. Started off with sex robots and ended with uh, <laughs> blank moments. There you go. What more can you yeah. want? <laughs> yeah. Before we go into Lucy's episode, um, I want to mention again about my live show. So I'm doing a live comedy show tonight in Streatham at the Streatham Space Project. There's a new Sounds venue. Exciting. At 7.30pm kickoff. It's a comedy football show. I'm doing with my mate Dave Bibby. Sketches, songs, jokes, audience interaction, quizzes, all sorts going on. If you're into football, even if you're not, come along. Um, it's £3 a ticket. Um, tickets are available uh, from... I think the link is tinyurl.com slash lost the dressing room. But if you go to my Twitter page, which is at uh, Jim Daily Comedy, I've pinned it up there. Fantastic. As well. Or just turn up and chuck three yeah, quid in the bucket at the end. Exactly. You could just do that. Um, we'd love to see you there. So I think it's time for another comedian and a slightly more successful one. Uh, here's Lucy Porter on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because my husband doesn't think it's a thing and he's so like he's like oh god it, I mean why is being left-handed in any way a, a disability or you know so I milk it for any time there's a situation where I'm like see yeah see look this world isn't I made for me think being left-handed is a thing I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's yeah. a thing <laughs> I, yeah. I mean he thinks it's a moral weakness I think that's the problem <laughs> he thinks that if I really tr- you know people in the olden days used to yeah get... but I think you've got to use whatever you can well yeah because yeah, if you exactly. were well obviously you'd get retaught at school wouldn't you left-handed. yeah and chast- oh, I mean I guess castigate from the community as well. Yes. Probably, I think he yeah, would like, like to like cast me out of the house. <laughs> she, left- she must be a witch. Uh, she's one of the lefties. <laughs> right, I'm going to blow my nose, so everybody enjoy the well, sound. Mm, I'll, I'll lean away from the mic. Actually, I, I, you I, I think I prefer headphones off. We don't need them. We don't need them, do we? Last episode, it's like a barrier almost away. Yeah. Also, it's quite warm. Yes, yeah. it is, isn't it? <laughs> it looks good around the neck, though. Doesn't well, it also because I have never... It, more, it looks more like a hipster if it's around the neck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's how... Well, if yeah. For the photos at the end, yeah. Yeah. we all have it you know, yeah. around the neck with, a, with my left-handed mug <laughs> like just there. Right. Team coach. Yeah. <laughs> there is, that's like a, an accessory now, isn't it, for yeah. footballers? Mm. To have a... Yeah. Uh, Some expensive headphones, yeah. is that yeah. the thing? Or mm. the those sort of iPod Airs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... I don't really, but I just think you could just flick it out, couldn't you? Yeah, well, and I have, I mean, as well as being left-handed, I have extraordinarily tiny ear canals. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I can never get any headphones standard. So they've got to be overhead earwormes. Yeah, well, I mean, I can do an earbud if they have a very small (laughs) attachment. But even, I mean, it is ridiculous. There's there's just no room in there at all. Because mine fall out all the time. Does that mean that I've got small you might well. be too small you might be too big you don't know who knows you should go for a professional oh. fitting the only good thing is if you ever do a telly right when, you, when you're when you on the telly and they do a yeah. fit you for a talk back talk thing back, then yeah. you get a well I had one of them and it was moulded of... my own yeah, yeah well, there you go. Your own but they didn't mention and I left it in the drawer oh if they say oh, you're particularly big or small because I have been told I'm particularly small so I would think if you were unusual 
They love to tell you. Yeah, they. <laughs> it's no one of those jobs, isn't it? Told me that. It's so boring. <laughs> they must have thought you've just got perfect ears. <laughs> this, That's guy, fine. this guy's got. I can't ears. do the the in ear ones that are like you know, they have the length bit that goes down into the canal. Ooh. Ooh. Do you know the that, ones that I mean? Oh, I don't think I've seen those. No. no, what are they like? You can get well. You can when you get them, they have the different sized thingies yeah, and they yeah. go in really in i i can't yeah. do those i can just do the sort of ones that sit kind of sit oh no i do do the in 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 yeah yeah, yeah. no that's what i mean is yeah, i need yeah. to get like the tiniest um little bit yeah because mm. this the ones that just sit like the ones you get with an iphone yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they're not going anywhere near mine. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you're, you're having a laugh and there. They're really expensive, aren't they? Those i those air ones. They're like hundreds. They of seem pounds. expensive. What are you guys like with? left and right earphones because I, I have to have the right one oh, and the right one and if it doesn't it feels wrong oh no with I'm not, not sort of, no I I'm not like sensitive be, in that way with yeah. overhead ones I would definitely make sure that it was the right way around because I think they don't fit they, they don't sit as well but that's what yeah. I think as well but even with the little ones and it just doesn't sound right no no, see, I don't ever yeah, really okay. know. And he, I, I mean, I often do have these any old which way. And, and <laughs> it's on your eyes, if anything. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It's very wrong. <laughs> I'm not fussy. I'm not fussy about... Well, what? also, I do think the the quality of sound is so awful now. Because I remember, you know, when you were when we were young. Back in the analogue oh, days. Oh, you know those <laughs> days. And, you, you know, you really cared about your speakers and where they were positioned. And well, we listen to stuff on phones now, don't I we? I know. Like, it's... Uh, no, the Alexa. We've got an Alexa. Have you? We've got a Google. Yeah, mm. we've got one. Yeah. And you have to say, hey, Google. It's weird. Isn't hey, it? Google. And then, I don't, Alexa, do you have to say hello first or do you say Alexa? Alexa! Alexa, <laughs> answer me! Alexa! God yeah. damn it. I do think, because actually, I, I might change the Google just so my children don't get used to being really rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah shouting yeah. women's yeah. names at you them. Have to say, so, well, you can say okay. So it's okay, Google. So it's almost like, okay, Google. Like you're kind okay, of like frustrated yeah. by something. We need oh, a, okay, Google. Yeah. Oh, here we yeah, go. Okay, oh, Google. Life. Play some music. Do your job. Yeah. So I'd like to be able to be a bit wearier with it because Alexa, you have to be quite yeah, perky. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas, I suppose I don't know. I've never tried it being sort of a bit more low key. Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa. I, I find myself telling our Google off. Hey, Google. And then it doesn't reply. I'm like, hey, Google. <laughs> and then it's like, and then I'm like, hey, Google, can you play this music? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm like, don't just say sure. Just do it. You've got one job. Just do your job. Justin and I. I'm like getting sass from my Google. They are, because um, ours has started definitely getting, she's got worse. And I kind of thought, well, oh, really? they're meant to listen to you and get better. But mm. she's got loads worse. And so the kids even now are like, oh, she's really not listening to us anymore, mum, you know. But um, my husband and I had a row. So I was listening to music in the kitchen. He came in and clearly felt that the volume was too high. Mm. So he said, Alexa, volume down, right? And I, it was that moment where you go, you didn't ask me. You oh, just went you. straight to Alexa. It, it was like, because I think he wouldn't have come in and just turned. I don't know, maybe he would have just come in and turned the volume down. But it somehow, it just felt worse because <laughs> he'd, it, it was like another woman was, you know. Yeah. It's like no. Well, is, and when does it stop? You know, is it going to yeah. be volume down today? It, it yes. could be something else. 
Well, he might be demanding, yes, yeah. exactly, if we get a sex robot and uh, <laughs> I'm forced <laughs> out. Of the... I wasn't going quite there, I just meant like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I thought let's just get straight there. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> to the chase. Um... <laughs> I mean, it's going to end up at sex robots, let's just get, let's it not, always you was. know, it always, I... always was. I watched the documentary mm. on um, Channel 4 because that's normally the place you go for these kind of documentaries yes. about sex <laughs> Did you? Oh, okay. I think I saw it and Have I was like... Have you seen it as well? No, no I, I saw that it was on you and then I thought I'll go back it. to it, but I didn't know. It's worth watching. So it starts off with uh, this guy that has become the sort of the premium doll maker in the world and he makes very, very lifelike women mm-hmm. um, for his clientele, which is wide and varied. And uh, <laughs> by the way, you should do the voiceover for this documentary. Yeah. I'm really enjoying I'm it. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm getting a right. mental image. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, so yeah, so he was trying to push the boundaries with what they could do. Mm-hmm. And so he's put in mechanics and, wow. AI and, and an AI system no. that he's created. <gasps> and now, and he sells them for literally tens of thousands of pounds. Wow. Yeah. And they've got very like, um, Realistic kind of latex skin. Yeah. Ooh, it makes me feel creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and I, you know you don't want to kind of stereotype his clients, mm. but yeah, yeah. I mean, they I've got a very them. distinct men- mental image mm. of these people. Mm. <laughs> then it's not a woman I'm seeing. It's not. No, uh, no, no. It, well, see, yeah, describe it to me and then I'll tell you <laughs> how close you are. Well, it's. What's you, what have you got in your head? What I've got in my head is essentially it's sort of. Daniel Kitson without the self-assurance is what I'm seeing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or humour. Yeah, well, and we're never getting Daniel Kitson on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <So. laughs> That's one episode gone. Yeah, I would say you're pretty accurate with that. Yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, it's. I think that if you give people the chance to pay to avoid intimacy mm. and working at relationships, then, of course, they're going to take that opportunity mm. well I didn't like there was one guy um, who had several wow right? so he was playing the field Mormon <laughs> um, yeah. yes and then like you know in different rooms he'd go to the kitchen and then you know Deirdre was there and then he'd go into the lounge wow. I, she wasn't I don't called Deirdre she was called Deirdre mate <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a good name come on uh, she looked like a Deirdre then there was and Edna then, yeah Edna was in the marriage that's yeah. my grandma's name wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne was in the. Oh, yeah, bathroom. we're going younger now, the yeah, younger yeah, yeah, generation. Yeah. She was younger, yeah. There yeah, was no, a Lynette. Yeah. And a <laughs> <laughs> is there a Brenda? Yeah, is there a Brenda yeah, in there? Yeah, there's yeah, a Brenda yeah. in there, yeah, and then she was in the garage. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and he really liked, like, he had the. He liked maintaining them. So yeah. part of his thing was that he liked to give them maintenance. <laughs> oh. When he tweaks a nipple, I, I, <laughs> he's just doing don't, maintenance. When I say giving them maintenance, I don't, that's not a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> It's very hard to discuss this <laughs> yeah, without falling yeah, into yeah, everything yeah. sounds no, like no, you like to sort of like adjust oh. uh, their innards. Yeah. yeah. That also oh my is God. Sorry. What is we should this? probably change the subject. This is the worst conversation I've ever had. It's it's, so it, it feels like we're about 10 seconds from talking about uh, serial killers. It really it? It's, does. It's going down that route. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. It was a potential slippery slope for this man. Yeah. Well, there is a fine line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. depersonalising, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, it'll be one minute uh, sex styles, next minute smearing your own shit on the walls. Mm. That was quite slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> we have lost any listeners we have this point. <laughs> anyway, we really went there, the didn't we? Podcast. We really did. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> right. Let's let's just start afresh. <laughs> yeah. with a fresh sheet uh, <laughs> 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 that we can smear. No, let's. Not. Oh um, thank you so much for having no, me. No, thank you for coming along. It's lovely to meet you. We've been Twitter friends for a while. Yes, but I'm trying to make sure that I actually meet people that I meet on Twitter in real life. Well, you see, I very rarely um, meet people on social media because I don't, I'm not very active, you see. No. So Is that on purpose? Not really. Just laziness mm. and um, bewilderment. And I do always feel like I'm just about to do... Because, I mean, I have never deleted any of my tweets, right? Because I just don't know how to do it. Mm. But I do remember in the early days... Because I signed up very early. I'm an early adopter, but a very lazy person. (laughs) And, um, oh, I mean, I would just come home from a, a night, you know, having had a few wines... And I would tweet anything that was, oh, my little sweet mind. <laughs> and um, and I now think I really should go back over those <laughs> because there may be all kinds what, of stuff. What, stream of conscious, you mean? That just oh, yeah, of, yeah, well, I was just, because I think yeah. as a comedian, obviously, you yeah. know, you're used to, you just go out and you expect people to be riveted by every word you have to say. <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is great. Well, this is just an extension of that. I'll just sort of riff. Mm. I'll just freestyle. And I mean, I think it very much isn't now mm. somewhere where you would go just to sort of, I mean, some people do, and I really like it, actually. I mm. like quite sloppy Twitter use, where it's just, oh, this is what yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 um, But given that I sort of, I've shied away from that, and now I just get someone else to tweet for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know you made it. I know, <laughs> I've employed yeah, someone to tweet for me. I mean, that is the big time, baby. Yeah, that is, yeah. Um, but I still do pop in myself. But, I'm um, surprised we got you here today. You were going to send oh, in like your... This isn't me, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, God, this has been a complete... No, I am Lucy Jean. Porter, inverted commas. <laughs> and uh, oh, if I could just franchise out my entire life, oh, it'd be great. great. I mean, Richard Herring was, I thought, living the dream. So he did one of his Edinburgh shows, which was called Talking Cock. Um, and which we've been doing a lot of which we have inadvertently I didn't actually think we were recording I should point this out <laughs> I just thought this is just some chat before no, the engineer gets here, here. but okay <laughs> yeah. alright um, but yeah Richard Owen was doing an Edinburgh show and someone I think it was Talking Cocker it might have been another one but anyway um, a guy from the Netherlands got in touch and said I would like to do your show in Dutch can I and because Richard always hmm. sort of writes a script for his shows, so he just went, yeah, there you go. And this guy was the Dutch Richard Herring. <laughs> really? What, yeah. he actually... Yeah, and then and Richard would get, like, some royalties. I mean, you have to have Richard on and ask him his, yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, But um, then he'd get royalties from this guy doing his act in Dutch. And I was like, that oh, is the amazing. absolute dream. Because I would... I mean, I do write for other people and stuff, but I, I like the idea of that, you know, you have some ownership of it and some visibility yeah, yeah, with it. Yeah. And yet it's, you know... That's like that's in, amazing. So in publishing, that's you get co-editions idea. where you sell the rights to, like, foreign publishers. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. Kind of like that, isn't it, in a way? Like yeah. Co-editions, so you get, yeah. And it'd be fascinating as well yeah. to see what travels and what... Because, you yeah, know, when you course, do yeah, gigs yeah. abroad... Yeah. I mean, I always find the first day when you're in a different country and you go out with your kind of, well, this is what I do, and then you realise it's really not appropriate for the... You know, and sometimes it's very quick. Like in the Netherlands, for example, mm. because, like... 
they're very used to British culture and stuff. So it was a really quick adjustment. Like the first couple of gigs, I was like, oh, okay, right. So this is kind of their vibe and they are a bit more laid back yeah, and yeah. a bit less judge- judgmental and all of that. Um, and then South Africa, that took me a while. That was a <laughs> yeah. different mindset. And I'm not sure I ever entirely cracked it. And yeah. then America, we sort of know because we absorb yeah, sure it. So enough. Enough. But, um, but so yeah, do you think, it's, does it take you a few gigs to get that home? Yeah, then? definitely. And I mean, even I think when you travel around the UK, there's subtle kind of differences in what people like. But also, I think it's always good to do your local research. So I always turn up with the local paper absorbed into my bloodstream. And, you know, you look at the property section and see where the nice (laughs) areas are and all that. And uh, that always pays off, actually. And I know I I didn't do that when I was younger. I think I was a lot more arrogant than I used to think. I just turn up. They're lucky to have me. (laughs) Whereas now I realise I'm very lucky to have them and uh, I don't want to lose them. So, yeah. And there's always, I mean, local papers are, I really worry the future of print media concerns me in lots of ways but the big one is local papers yeah oh I love that and they're they're so useful and they're a lifeline and they do loads of great investigative work and I just really yeah well because I I started off in local papers did you as a a news journalist whereabouts in first in Uckfield in Sussex oh Oh, a lot going on in Uckfield I was so good seems sleepy but it's like (laughs) midsummer it is it's always yeah but I was so good that after I left they closed that edition of the paper because their numbers got so low so making changes in Uckfield (laughs) they lost their yeah I wasn't doing very good then I moved to Seven Oaks in Kent and um, what was it Interesting place. Well, there's a bit more going on in Seven yeah. Oaks. I mean, you know, people big think. Catchment, is it? Yeah. Big, yeah. Big, big and it's up, quite, yeah, some, you know, there's some quite uh, gritty areas. Yeah, I used to avoid all the gritty news. I wasn't the hard news. Yeah. I was like a sort of soft news oh, kind of. Lovely. Like, my biggest story was a boy getting stuck up a tree like oh. 50 yards and the, the fire brigade came to get him <laughs> down and then when we like uh, uh, put up, did a photo for the story he got back up the tree and started climbing up again and I was like what are you doing oh the fire brigade already there I was, don't do it again <laughs> no, posing do unbelievable that was fun though yeah <laughs> and Good that boy job. is now Boris Johnson yeah. <laughs> 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 wouldn't I surprise think, me um, yeah I've always liked the idea of working on a local newspaper because you do I think you see it, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, and especially if it's your local community as well, because you get to see yes. Sort of so you started in journalism, didn't you? Not really, no. I wanted to be a journalist, but I get, I mean, laziness, I think, is going to be quite a recurring <laughs> theme. Let's just get that up front. Um, I uh, went, I, I sort of had vague dreams of being Kate Aidy, so that was my thing was that I wanted to be a war reporter or yeah. a sort of investigative journalist. But uh, bo- I read one of her books, it's amazing. Oh, I mean, just yeah, autobiography. phenomenal. And all of those, like, you know, Mary Colvin and Lise mm. Doucette. And I just think they're so amazing, those women who just throw themselves into war zones and, I, you know, highly admire them. But um, I couldn't really be bothered to do a journalism course. So I thought I'll do a bit of work experience. <laughs> and so I did a bit of work experience at the big issue in Manchester and then, I, and then I got a job at Granada Television. And initially, I had this idea that I was going to go to Granada and work on World in Action, which was their oh, kind of flagship. Yeah, 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 I mean, amazing show. Mm. Um, but then I got there and uh, ended up... Well, the, they didn't have any jobs on World in Action. And they said, we think you might be better suited to Richard and Judy. <laughs> 
So that was the, <laughs> the career path that I took. I mean, who knows? If what, is there war correspondent? <laughs> if, I mean, it, I, I, it, it could get quite fruity sometimes yeah, yeah. down at the Albert Dock. Uh, but so, yeah, so I ended up going into the entertainment side of things rather than the war side of things. So quite a lot softer news. It was very mm. much softer. It was very much about nail extensions, really. Oh, that really? was largely, I was on the sort of beauty beat for a while, which was not really my bag. But uh, And then I, I sort of did um you know uh little bits and bobs of various long forgotten programs uh there's a quiz show because i do a quizzing podcast and we were talking the other day about i was on a quiz show called waffle uh which we made at granada and i still don't understand how that program worked <laughs> even all the i was constantly I don't that. no i mean <clears throat> it didn't do brilliantly was, it, uh, honest, was it a daytime quiz show it was a daytime yeah. quiz show those ones don't ever seem to work as well do they okay. well if they do then they really work yeah, and then yeah. it's you know you've got your countdown those ones that they either last forever yeah. or they completely disappear after one yeah. series generally i, I feel that. like waffle just from hearing the name something about sort of talking rubbish or something i don't know i feel like the, yes. you know, maybe you have to describe something in a cooking <laughs> maybe it's just about waffles yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't remember there being cooking i think i would have remembered yeah. there being cooking i also worked on a um, football quiz with the lovely brendan coogan uh, brother of steve who uh, was a brilliant presenter and a lovely man and um I how I got a job working on a football related because it was all about teams in the northwest as well. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm from Croydon. Uh, <laughs> I don't support any football team. I had no idea, but I mean, it was that was a lot of fun, and I did at least understand the the basics of, if not football, yeah. of the quizzing aspect. Yeah, yeah, of it. yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I ended up working for Carolina Hearn on the Mrs. Merton show. Oh, wow. Um, and that was amazing. And that kind of got me into the whole comedy thing. Yeah, so how did you go from, I mean, just thinking how you went from Waffle <laughs> to, to, <laughs> yes. to working on the Mrs. Merton show is obviously a bit, of, it seems like a bit of a leap. Yeah, well, I was yeah. just very, very lucky because I had been hanging around the comedy circuit. So I was a huge comedy nerd mm. from the age of about well, eight or nine. Oh, I really? Bitten so by the yeah. comedy bug. Well, my big sister was really into comedy and I was like, oh, well, if, Sally thinks it's cool then I'll get into it yeah. and I really really got into it and um, so I used to I mean I, the first gigs I could go to I, I you know when I was 14 I was like right I'm going out on my own comedy gigs and managed to drag a few friends along and uh, was obsessed with comedy but never ever had any inkling of doing it myself um, and then was so I went to see loads of comedy when I lived in Manchester and I was working at Granada and I'd go and see Carolina Hearn and John Thompson and Steve Coogan were all kind of yeah. they were the comedy circuit mm. at the time and Henry Normal and Dave Gorman and so I'd sort of see all these people and think god they're amazing I'd really like to work in comedy in some way so um, Caroline gave me a job on the Mr Merton show uh, and then I sort of I don't know I think I gradually just started thinking oh well, hang on a minute this is Maybe something, I, you know, if I was the other side of the camera, I wouldn't have to come in so early and leave so <laughs> yeah, late. And yeah, so the laziness yeah. again is yeah, again. definitely playing Driving a big force. part in this. I was like, oh, this is, I could be both lazy and get attention. <laughs> I mean, these child? are all the good things. But were you a lazy child? Yes. Yeah. Like school and stuff. What were you like at school? Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I mean, yeah, I would apply myself to things that I liked. Mm. But definitely, well, in fact, my uh, I've recently got all my old school reports. We were 
clearing up my mum and dad's uh, attic. And uh, the PE teacher's report was, Lucy is lazy, disinterested and content to do only the minimum. Which, um, and Mm, she hated me. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, PE was definitely. And I was, you know, the thing I was like, oh, if only I could have just pointed out to her that it should have been uninterested. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That would have been the sweet. So if you're listening, Mrs. Fell, you know, language one, you nil. But yeah, no, I was quite lazy. I did. I just did what I wanted to do. And I think that has been the pattern of my life is that if I'm interested in something, then I work really hard. And if I'm not, then Mm. no amount. And the problem is I take on projects because they sound really interesting or it's sort of my agent says, oh, this would be a great thing to do. And then I am such a child. I am still that child where, so, you know, for example, someone sent me a script that I was meant to be sort of looking at, but it was a drama script and it wasn't really my thing. And I was like, oh, I don't really, you know, I wanted to do it in the abstract, but actually when it came to it. And I did just, you know, I mean, we all do avoidance, don't we? Mm. And like, you know, your flat ends up being cleaner than it's ever been when you've got something that you don't want to do. But I honestly was finding extraordinary things to do. I bought a bike. Wow. Never cycled at all. But I would every day I would go out and find something else that I absolutely had to do. Um, everything from taking down a shed to <laughs> buying a bike. To, and uh, And then eventually... I, I kind of had to go, look, I've got to learn now that if something isn't happening, it's just not happening and I can't force myself. Mm, yeah. And, you know, it's those things as you get older that you do realise about yourself, isn't it? That it's like, it, it's it, it's probably too late to change now. Yeah, it's admitting <laughs> those things though, isn't it, to yourself yeah. sometimes, I think. Um, I, I know I find that sometimes actually trying to, uh, actually, that is a character trait of mine and I just need to like, all right with it yeah because I've tried and tried over the years to change it it's like deadlines I mean I have never made a deadline in my entire life and I think there comes a point where you just I mean I just get people to give me false deadlines and it sounds ridiculous (laughs) that a grown woman cannot discipline herself (laughs) to keep a deadline but I but like my agent knows and my agent always tells me to get to a gig an hour earlier than I have to Mm -hmm. and I mean one of the beautiful things about being a, a comedy performer is that people expect you to be a bit useless (laughs) and so they are geared up the whole system is engineered for you know like my agent if I ever have to invoice for anything so even if I am completely skint the process of invoicing for something just never seems to happen and so my agent is like, if anyone offers to, and it, not just because she gets her cut, even sometimes she'll mm. be like, I don't even want the money. I just want you to have the money <laughs> rather than for yeah. people to be saying, where's that invoice we want to pay you? And I can honestly be eating baked beans for three. I mean, you know, when I was young and desperately skint and yet still could never get my act together to get the money. I mean, it's just. To be fair, baked beans are great. So I know. Well, I mean, no, really you know, I'm very wrong. happy no, just to yeah. eat baked beans. But I think it's interesting, like to know to know yourself, yeah, and to be okay with that. And there quite often will be people that want to help you. Like for example, I'm I'm very obsessive about reading what people say about me, even oh, which I know is a t- as a performer is a terrible <laughs> thing to do. But there's a there's a mess. We both support Crystal Palace. And there's a message board, and uh, I do a podcast, and a lot of people recently been saying not nice things about it. And I would like try not to go on it. And then I'd go on it and my friends would see it and they'd be like on WhatsApp going, Jim, what are you doing? You're going back on the message board. So my mate Rob, 
Uh, I told him my password, my login, and he changed my password. So now I can't log in and see it. Great. And it stopped me worrying about it. Yes. It stopped me involved. It stopped me wasting hours. Yeah. Replying or have whatever. Tried, have you tried working out the password though? No. Rob's too hours. weird. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's Actually, Rob's first pet. Actually, <laughs> yeah, you might be able to drain his bank account at the same time. This <laughs> yeah. could be amazing for yeah. you. This is a very dangerous move. You could by ruin Rob. Rob's life. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I've got, yeah, my friend Shelley has got all my passwords and things. Because also, I'm terrified because my memory is so terrible. And I know everything is stored, you know, and it's all meant to be backed up and everything. But because I'm so paranoid about not writing anything down and I can never remember anything, I kind of like to think that someone trustworthy has got access. I mean, mm. she could absolutely ruin my life. Mm. It is a big trust thing, isn't it, when you just go, yeah. Because, I mean, Rob could just go on that message board and within yeah. minutes... Oh, he could ruin me. could yeah. ruin you. He could do. Isn't that funny, though, the power that people have now with your... Because also, yeah. like, I mean, I realised I hadn't changed my password for years and there were, like, ex-boyfriends who... Well, one major ex-boyfriend. And I was like, he could totally, and it, it's testament to his good nature yeah, yeah, yeah. that he never did. Because I was like, yeah, anyone oh. could have been. I mean, he could have been reading my emails for years, really. But I've changed it now, but, yeah, well <laughs> just in case he's listening. Life without trust. This is getting really deep. Yeah. Life without trust. That's kind of nothing, isn't it? It's yeah. a very lonely existence if you yeah. go through it without being able to trust anyone. Yeah, and I would rather have my trust betrayed than not bestow it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah well, I, I think it's like love, isn't it? You just go, yeah, you've got to, you've got to have faith, you've got to trust, and uh, and be damned. But yeah, I, I, the problem is though, I find with my kids, it's that because my mum and dad were very trusting people, mm. and possibly too much, and so I think I sort of they I. I've obviously I've inherited their capacity to trust, but I think I have tempered it with a bit of cynicism and also just painful experience, which mm. they never really had. You know, mm. they were they lived a slightly more uh, <laughs> pure. <laughs> they didn't yeah. live in the moral sewer that is show business. Let's just yeah, put it yeah, that yeah, way, yeah, right? Yeah. I'll say no more. <laughs> and um, but yeah, with my kids, I do wonder how much to. You know, it, the danger is I feel with parenting that you want them never to experience pain. And so trust no one is kind of, I yeah. almost feel like I'll get that tattooed on them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> the earliest yeah, yeah. opportunity, which will put them off both tattoos yeah. and trusting and people. people. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a win-win there. But, I know yeah. exactly what you mean about that. I, I have that thing a lot. My wife and I had quite troubling upbringings. And so we went through a lot of pain as children. And I think, you know, we want, we don't want our kids to have any of that. Yeah. And then you kind of think they get upset about little tiny things and you think, well, that's good that they're only getting upset about like something that's pretty irrelevant. But that's that still that thing like, are we giving them the right skills to, if they do experience that at some point in life, mm. how are they going to deal with it? You know? Yeah. Um, so it's a tricky balance. Yeah, you you know the school of hard knocks yeah, is a yeah. uh, is a terrifying place to send your children. Yeah. But they they probably need to do a summer camp at the school of hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just dip their toe in, and then uh, yeah, I mean, so because my kids have had like uh, grandparents die, mm. which is you know in a way. Because it's sort of the natural order of things, and you explain it, and you go, "It's very sad." I mean, that sort of feels that like they have learned to manage a bit of grief, and you know, that sort of felt like well, th that you can deal with. But yeah, when it is sort of shocking, horrible, terrible stuff, and you think about all the children in the world who have to deal yeah. with, you know, appalling stuff. Oh, 
Anyway, sorry, God, bringing us down. No, it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, because life is... Sorry to keep it going. <laughs> life is full of um, unexpected things. I mean, there's yes. only... Oh, I guess I don't have a child. We're expecting our first in September. So Congrats. I've got all this to come. Yeah. yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> um, but I guess there's only so much you can protect people, your kids or any other one, anyone from life. Because yeah. it's unexpected things, isn't there? There's twists and turns that you can't really even... Yeah. Well, I see, again, being um, being a comedian, I think, is great preparation for, uh, you know, because there's no career path and things just suddenly happen to you. So you'll suddenly get paid a huge amount of money for doing like one TV show or something. Mm. And equally, then you won't work for two years. Yeah. And then, you know, that kind of unpredictability is awful and has put <laughs> yeah. years on me and you know has probably taken years off the end of my life but um it definitely I think it does prepare you for a lot of life's vicissitudes mm. and just that capacity to improvise and make the best of a situation and also using your pain for art mm. and making audiences be your therapists and all of <laughs> yeah, that yeah. stuff. There's Definitely. a lot of good stuff to be said. But yeah, I think adaptability. I think, again, the thing with children that I find difficult is because they love routine and stability and that's what you want to provide, but then also you want them to have a little bit of capacity to, to deal with change. Mm. And, you know, that, again, it's just such a hard balancing act. Cause, mm. And, I mean, I still haven't... I mean, I think I'm too chaotic and Justin, my husband, is also because he's an actor. And I do sometimes feel like we're the sort of awful wanker parents who are like, hey, guys, I tell you what, look, I can't be bothered to cook breakfast. Let's just, you know, uh, <laughs> let's just go in the garden and, eat, and you know, eat leaves. We, we don't actually do that. I don't know why that, that kind of sprung up as an example. But it is, yeah, sort of... Or quite often, you know, there'll be a last minute change of plans. So like this week, Justin's been filming and so and it's overrun. And so then I'm sort of scrabbling around and, you know, trying to make childcare work. And we are so lucky. We live in a lovely community of neighbours and we all sort of help each other out. But it's, yeah, it's definitely not the secure and stable upbringing that I was sort of hoping to give my children. But I'm sort of hoping there's enough security and stability within it to keep them on the straight and narrow. But and you then, never know, do you? I mean, what was your upbringing like? Was it Unbelievably secure and, secure and stable, but then with only really one, like my mum was there the whole time and my dad was sort of hardly ever there. And so, I mean, you know, the the thing about it is, you, yeah, you look at your own childhood and, it, you know, whether it's been traumatic or incredibly stable, you know, and I, I do feel that sense of privilege of nothing really terrible ever happened to me as a child and you know I, I I still wasn't grateful for that though and I do look back and I think oh you know and then I craved excitement or yeah, I just yeah, you know and yeah. actually of course you're never going to be grateful to your parents until it's sort of too late mm. <laughs> until you realize what they were coping with but um but yeah they really tried their best to make it amazing yeah, I've only really recently sort of appreciated. My my mum and dad are very stable. Dad's an accountant and mum was a childminder. And growing up, I just thought life was so boring. Yeah. But I now look back and think they were amazing. And they're still amazing and yeah. incredibly supportive. And I go off and do, I do random jobs and I'm not a very stable career-wise person. But I look back now and think, oh my God, they smashed it. Yeah, yeah, They were so yeah. good. It's taken oh, me to 35 to work that out. Oh, I know. I mean, it is uh, it is humbling when you think of all the stuff that they did also that I'm not quite prepared to do. 
Um, I mean, the only thing is, I mean, having said that it was a wonderful stable upbringing, I mean, my dad was mad <laughs> and <laughs> brilliantly. But uh, so, yes, I mean, and everyone has their quirks and foibles. And I think, you know, with my mum and dad's marriage now, I sort of look back and I think, God, that was so much um, about compromise. And, um, you know, they never argued and I have always taken that forward in my life that I cannot argue. I'm just, mm. it, it makes me, even the slightest hint of any kind of confrontation makes mm. me completely freak out. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that I'm trying to unpick now is that like that's not healthy. Because like, you know, at the end of her life, I was talking to my mum and, you know, we, we could make light of it then. But basically, I mean, there was so much frustration and anger and, yeah. you know, the, the, I think they had quite a happy marriage as well. That's the thing is actually it is because marriage is so hard and they made it look easy. And I now have to work out, and not just marriage, I mean, like relationships generally in life. And I because I, I cannot have an argument. And, yeah. you know, so again, you get to your mid 40s and you think, well, should I really bother? learning like now I've got to have all the arguments that I haven't had for 45 <laughs> years and like right person <laughs> you, I met you. in 1986 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. something I need to get off my chest you can start with Alexa can't you I can yeah exactly that well maybe that's it maybe she can be my safe space to try out fury and rage oh my god but. I wonder if you can argue with your Alexas or your Google no eyes. no no do you they're, know they're really they shut you down like they're passive, like they? they're like my mum they're sort of passive aggressive <laughs> in that well I don't think I shall be talking yeah, to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Let's come back when you calm sorry, down. I can't help you with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, I, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I didn't understand that. Yeah, because yeah. it's just it's a constant repetition. Yeah. I didn't yeah. quite get that. It's quite nice to go through life doing that, though, wouldn't it? Like someone's sort of bullying you out. And you'd say, oh, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. You're shut down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty much what I do. I do. Well, I think, again, the comedy is a good way to, uh, you know, Diffuse it with a laugh. Yeah. Just diffuse mm. it with a yeah, laugh. Yeah, so do you use that as an outlet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I definitely, all through my life have... And the thing that my kids, again, have taught me is the irritating little <laughs> that I do after almost everything. And I, again, you know, you go, how did I get through all this time with no one saying, <laughs> after you say something aggressive... Like, so if I'm trying to tell the kids off or make a point... Yeah. And I go, look, your room is just, it's just a mess. It's disgraceful. <laughs> and like, this, like, where is that? What? Why am I? Not really about, out of context. Yeah, totally. Like a total mad person. But I think that's what my mum used to do as well, was mm. it was just like, if I somehow smile and laugh, then that will diffuse yeah, the yeah. tension. Yeah, nicer. Whereas actually what it does is really infuriate other people. <laughs> I do that when I'm, when <laughs> I'm looking at Awful. strangers. I, or, or I'm walking down the street and I'm, I always, my mum's like, yeah. And I, I know, um, for the people at home, I'm smiling and nodding. <laughs> yeah, right? yes, um, yes. And I know it's come from my mum because yeah. I've seen her do it. And it used to annoy me. Yeah, and now yeah. I know I'm doing it and I'm probably annoying people. But I'm I just trying to be nice. Well, that's it because like, my mum always used to moan about how people would always stop and ask her directions. And she'd be like, I don't know what it is that, you know, she would be trying to go about her day and three or four people would come up and ask her where to go and, and of course then I realised well look it's because you make eye contact and you smile yes. and then I do exactly the same and we used to live near yeah. the British Museum and um, I would honestly think I may as well just get a fluorescent 
jerking and stand <laughs> because every day I'd be out like you know pushing the kids in the buggy and everyone would come up and say excuse me and I'd be like yes the British Museum yeah, is yeah, down yeah, there yeah, and it's yeah. on the left and um, and again I was like my mum was looking around going no one else gets asked but because yeah you sort of do that thing like yeah. you do Jim of just you know and it's nice to be sort of friendly and yeah. open and approachable wouldn't you rather that than the other way around that people don't want to approach you yes so if you're given off that kind of negative scowly kind of vibe I'd I mean, hate that I literally would hate that I would hate although when I was younger you see the thing of being a young woman who is friendly and approachable mm. is slightly yeah um, yeah I think that I, looking back I kind of thought God, aren't men skeevy oh they're all really bleh. Yeah. and then I was sort of and not that I'm saying it was my fault in any way um, but uh, but yeah you know I think that there's some people do take being friendly as a, I mean now yeah. it's more I mean, I get into a lot of conversations on the bus and in shops, but then I'm delighted with that because I am now, I am the, I am my mother, you know, and I love to stand and chat because it is like the local paper. If you stand and chat, yeah. um, you get to know a lot of stuff. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I now feel, you know, I, I know some quite intimate medical secrets about the people in my local <laughs> town because some of the uh, some of the medical receptionists are chatty. What can you, I say? It's not my fault. A certain age and people just do download their medical history. Yeah. Really? I'm at that age. Mm. It, it <laughs> turns out that age is 46 <laughs> because... Uh, it's that <laughs> a bit earlier when you're yeah. You're precocious. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. you are, Giles. You've just <laughs> taken it on early. Oh, I love it now. Well, also because my audience at my shows are all sort of of an age with me. We've all grown up together, really. Um, and so, yeah, I, half the time in my show, I'm just ending up talking about where we all hurt. Yeah. <laughs> What's gone? What's gone this year? Oh, it's the teeth now, is it? The eyes went a couple of years ago. Now it's the teeth. Uh, but it's quite nice. It does give you something to talk about in your middle years, though. Because, mm. you know, generally, your life's quite dull because you're not doing sort of the big, exciting career. Oh, I'm on my way. I want to talk to people about my ambitions. And... Um, you don't yet have the sort of the wisdom of age where you can pronounce and tell people what they should be doing. Mm. So in the middle years, you just can make, whinge about what's going wrong, really. All the ailments, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just low wind. level, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't want to take yeah, it up. Yeah. To, if you've got anything seriously wrong, no one no, wants no, to you, know. You, you, <laughs> no, <laughs> then yeah, people yeah, shut yeah, you yeah, down yeah. immediately. Yeah, and they're like, oh, oh, how awful. Anyway. Uh, like, oh, how's your knee? Or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little yeah. dodgy knee or yeah. something. I mean, yeah. I've been very lucky because hay fever has started to hit. Oh, okay. so and people yeah. love yeah. that because there's yeah. folk remedies. You know, people can tell you to eat local honey. Yeah, yeah. And they love that. Do you get hay fever? I, I've just started the last few years. Yeah. Have you got any go-to remedies? Because I get it really bad. No, I just, I don't bother. That's my laziness again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, do you know what? Because anything I've ever tried is it's either been a faff. Yeah. The only thing I do do is I do nasally irrigate. I'd like to put that oh, out there. Right. This is what I want the world to know Here about me. Nasal um, irrigation. Yeah, I've got a, um, a spray. You know, there's all those neti pots and things you, you can use, but I've got a spray. spray, salt spray. Yeah. Love it. Salt Ooh, spray. Salt spray. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> When I had a sinus Ooh. infection, yeah. salt spray. Well, they oh, say sinus when you got infections are bad. Oh, oh, God. Salt water when you've got a bad throat as well. So salt about water, salt yeah. Kind of oh, salt's amazing. Stuff. Oh, yes, nature's... Just bathe in it. Yeah. <laughs> just bathe, just rub yourself yeah. down every like morning. Going to the beach. <laughs> There's, I live by the beach, and there is a group of people every single morning of the year, of every day of the year, they go down and plunge in the water mm, yeah. for about half an hour. Yeah. doesn't matter what conditions. Yeah. And are they in good condition? 
They love it. They, yeah. Well, they go back every morning. They'll live to be 112. Yeah. Yeah. They will. Wow, it okay. is the way. And, I mean, everyone I know who does that open water swimming is yeah. so evangelical. I mean, they're boring, let's be honest, because yeah. they're so evangelical about yeah, well, it. Just, yeah. But they do glow. I mean, they it is like an extraordinary yeah, thing. I mean, but, I mean, anything, though, that, you know, you feel is... It's life changing, I suppose. You do go on about, but um, yeah, definitely <laughs> the open water bathers—they're yeah. they're a different breed, aren't they? My um, brother-in-law lives down in, um, and his lovely family live down in Cornwall, oh, and we go nice. down at Christmas if we're lucky. And uh, there's the thing where everyone runs into the sea at Christmas. Naked, is it? Not naked. No. You can picture that if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. I just wondered if it was... Uh, I was you like, Giles is doing it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would think they'd be <laughs> naked. Really it's Chris's really. family. I mean, come yeah. on. It's families, lovely families. Uh, no, everyone is the opposite of naked. They're, they're all wearing wetsuits, <laughs> if anything. I mean, you know, that, yeah. and wearing a wetsuit is the opposite yeah. of being naked. <laughs> full Santa outfit. And they, um, yeah, they, oh, they run in. Everyone runs in and takes the water. And my daughter... Did it, and I have never, I've never done it. It's too cold, surely. It's too cold. I yeah. do. I feel the cold more again. That's another yeah, thing about yeah. middling it. Oh, <laughs> I feel the cold. I need a cardigan now. I should have a rug on my lap while we're doing this, really. But yeah, no, oh, <laughs> not for me. Yeah, so water spray is great though. Okay, um, hay fever. Mm. I'm learning a lot on. Oh, this that's podcast, where we started. That was where we hay went fever. To. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went through a period. Um, of having hay fever and it's sort of I don't seem to have it now nice for, so for about three or four years I had it, it all the time so I don't know if it was a certain pollen well but you live by the sea now yeah. was it when you weren't living no, by I'd the sea no I'd always live by the sea oh okay so right. it's, really it's supposed random, to be yeah. in seven year cycles oh okay apparently, so in... that you get it for seven years and then you get it off but I've had it since the age of eight Oh. Every year. Well, you're going to have a huge period at the end yeah. of your life <laughs> with no yeah. hay fever. About 40 do you years. Do you learn that on Puritan and stuff like that? Do you take? Uh, is that the tablet stuff? Yeah. Um, I take everything. <laughs> I just like shove it all in, put it, stick it in my veins. None of it works. None of it works. Someone no. said CBD, or is it CBD? What am I oh, talking yeah, about? Yeah. Is that the what's, thing? What's I that? get the acronyms well, the, the of cannabis um, oil. Oh, which is apparently yeah. cures everything. Well, this is it. The, again, it's like the open water swimming. Yeah. People who take CBD, like uh, anything you say, uh, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, no, CBD will cure I'm that. I've got 18 again. I've got broken legs. <laughs> CBD, <laughs> CBD yeah. just Honestly, need some CBD, it. mate. That's all you need. And I think, yeah, it's because it makes you feel sort of mildly. I don't think you get, you know, you don't get high, but you mm. get a sort of a relaxed vibe. And it probably just takes the edge off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like a placebo or something. I mean, I think Valium probably would be the same, wouldn't it? Really much. Oh dear, I'm learning so much on this podcast today. This we great. didn't think it would go so medical. No. I, mean, no, I, I really wasn't expecting normally. it to. But I'm <laughs> to enjoying take that it. Term, but that's what you get. Book a 46 year old, and you will at some point. Have. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about the first few gigs you do because obviously going into comedy, mm. what was that like? What was what was those first few shows? Were they good? Were they all... Well, I don't really remember. I have a terrible memory. And um, I, especially for traumatic or uh, well. <laughs> everything about me is lazy. <laughs> and I was I was quite nervous because, well, I wasn't a public speaker in any way. Hmm. Um, very shy person. And I also because I knew loads of people in the comedy world by then. So I'd 
sort of done various jobs like in TV production and I'd done some uh, I used to work for the Perrier Award up in Edinburgh at the festival so I did think it would just be quite humiliating if it didn't go well mm. so I deliberately went to places that were nowhere near where I lived okay. and where I thought I wouldn't know anyone so I went and did my first gig in Chester got the train down from Manchester to Chester um, and yeah, it was horribly nervous, actually. And I don't really know. I think now I wouldn't have gone through with it, actually, because oh, really? I think it, I was I was so scared. And, yeah, like I say, you know, I'm lazy about most things, but if there is something I want, then I will do it. Okay, fine, yeah. And so I'm, I was obviously so driven that I thought there's, there's some end goal. And I don't even really know. I think I was quite hazy about what the end goal was. It wasn't like, I shall one day be on Live at the Apollo. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, it, was yeah. just, it was just, I need to do this for my own confidence and courage. And so, um, yeah, I think they went all right. But I was doing um, a lot of stuff about the way I looked and, you know, just classic sort, sort of, of newbie stuff, kind of stuff of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very self-deprecating, which I still, I think I am. Um, just by nature, uh, that's part of what my my comic voice is, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and I don't really sort of understand how it went well <laughs> when I think about the material and the fact that because most of my gigs were sort of in the northwest, and you know I was a very sort of twenty something young woman from London, and. Um, I do remember one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was when I went, I did my first gig in Liverpool and uh, I thought, well, I can't sound from London because I know that, you know, there's no one likes a southerner really. So because I was living in Manchester at the time, I thought, oh, well, you know, that's fine. So I went in in Liverpool and I said, I've just come all the way from (laughs) Manchester. And it was the, you know, when you just go, oh, you know, yeah, they hate each other. Um, And got roundly booed. And, uh, but, but actually it, as often is the case with comedy, turned out to be the best thing I could have done because that took all the sting out sure, of me yeah, going, yeah. oh, God, actually, sorry, I'm really from London, but I thought you'd yeah, hate yeah. me even more. <laughs> yeah. And then they laughed at that, and yeah, then yeah. you're away. You know, you just need to have something. What's it like to... getting that first laugh? Oh, I mean, it's more relief than anything. Mm. I think, I, I don't know if it's the same for all comedians, but definitely for me, it's a sense of, ah, oh, fine, right, now we can get on with the job at hand. Is it like that every gig still, like getting that first yeah. joke in? Yeah, I think it kind of, I mean... I'm way less nervous than I used yeah. to be. Oh my goodness! I mean, it's it's hard to rouse me to to <laughs> nerves these days. But there's still that little bit of adrenaline, yeah. and you, you know, because it is always the beauty of it is you could always die spectacularly, and it does. And uh, you know, everyone always says, "Oh, have you ever seen um, you know a really famous comedian die?" In fact, I was doing a show last night, and someone I was at dinner. It was a corporate event, and um, and the person I was with at dinner had obviously studied the textbook of questions you ask to comedians. Oh, okay. And so he did all the, you know, how did you oh, get shit, started? Yeah, you, it's a good book. It is a good book. But yeah, and the classic one is, have you ever seen anyone really famous have a bad gig? And it's such a hard question to answer because you go, well, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then you don't want to give specifics because then it feels yeah. like you're just being mean. You and saying, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> you, I'll tell you who died. Oh, yeah, yeah it was awful. Oh, they booed <laughs> off they were. But uh, I've never died personally. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's very tempting just to say, I mean, I don't know what it is about me. Yeah. I just seem to be bulletproof. No, but, yeah, uh, yeah, you've either got it or you haven't. Yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, it, because there's always that that possibility and it isn't even you know you would think with most things once it's happened to you once you lose your fear of it but for some reason dying on stage is so humiliating 
And so, I mean, because I remember the last time it happened to me, I was, again, I was hosting a corporate thing. It was an award ceremony. And all you have to do is get up at the beginning and do, like, it's the easiest thing in the world. You're com- comparing. You're comparing, right? And nine times out of ten, and 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, mm. it's just the easiest thing in the world. And, you just, and I don't really get nervous anymore because you get up and you just do ten minutes of, like, stand up about whatever the thing is. And um, then you get on with the awards and it's fine. And then I just had this one where... Um, it was dentists and right, um, and yeah. I was like I've got loads of material about you know <laughs> I thought the gig had started at 2.30 I mean that's just free <laughs> exactly. that's just for starters right yeah. <clears throat> but you know there's so much and I had all this material and I was like this is going to be great I'm really looking forward to it and then I got up and it was just they just weren't listening and it was just it was the room wasn't great and there's mm. all the things I can blame but essentially it was just one of those occasions where you know, it just, the chemistry was wrong. And so I kind of, you know, struggled through trying to do a bit of material, but it was painful, mm. you know. And everyone's just sort of not, they've just given up and it's it, understandably so because it's like, well, this isn't working. So the least embarrassing thing we can do is all desperately look at each other <laughs> and talk and hope that she goes away. And so, and then I did the awards and it was all fine. But you do, it because it's so humiliating, and when I was handing out the awards, so you at these dues, you hand out the awards and then you stay and have your photo taken with the recipient. And um, it was like no one wanted to touch me. So normally, oh, no. you know, you've all got your arms yeah. around each other and it's all really... Um, and in the photos, it's like everyone's kind of edging... like Because people do think it's contagious. Like that, whatever just happened to you, I, I would never want that to happen to me. And if there's any chance that by making skin t- contact with you... Yeah. <laughs> it's like it will happen. It's going to take away all my humour. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I will never be funny again. Dying is, is on stage is, is part of... It's part of one. It's part of life. Yes. Two. It's part of comedy and performing and progressing. I was doing a gig once with a really famous headliner, and um, I was doing ten minutes and it was going fine. And then you know sometimes you just you sort of lose them halfway through. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And I heard the people in the front go go to, go to each other. He's dying. Oh. And I heard it. I was like, oh, I thought I thought I was, but now I know I am. <laughs> it's good to have <laughs> that confirmation from the front row. Oh. But it does, it happens, doesn't it? And I think yes. it does make you a stronger performer as well. It does, and it is the because it's so shameful, and people are quite reluctant to talk about it because also it feels. I mean, it's like gamblers and. You know, if someone loses a huge amount of money in Vegas, they say all the other gamblers kind of steer clear of them, and it's yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the cooler, yeah, the cooler, yeah, that brilliant Good film, movie, yes, yeah. cool, yeah. exactly. And you are like the comedy cooler, yeah. Yeah. where everybody's <laughs> exactly. a bit like, oh god, we just don't know what to say, and and it's such a hard <laughs> thing to deal with gracefully. Oh, everything from pity, and then people mm. think, oh well, let's try and be sort of jocular about yeah. it to sort of snap you out of it, but then that's awful as well because. Because there's just no way. And I mean, it's so pathetic because you think, well, what has actually happened? Nothing. You know, yeah. it's the ultimate kind of, you know, egocentric. It's, it's just because it's such a blow to your ego. Mm. And it's made everyone else feel a bit awkward. And people are so disappointed because they wanted to laugh yeah. and they wanted to like you. Yeah, and yeah. you've let them down. You've let yourself <laughs> down. <Family>. Oh, <laughs> generations back, the <laughs> graves are spinning. And so, <laughs> but yeah, but again, it is great preparation for life in that it's because it's such a public failure. Mm. And I mean, it's very difficult to fail publicly um, so spectacularly, really. Mm. Because there's so little live telly, and also you can you can sort of get away now. I think with people will give most people a couple of chances if something goes badly. 
you're not written off necessarily immediately. Whereas uh, there's an awful story about a comedian whose name I can't remember, and I'm quite glad that I can't. (laughs) But he was like a huge comic in the 70s and massive on the circuit in the in the live world but mm. um he was booked onto i guess maybe it was wogan or some a big chat show anyway it could have been parkinson and in those days that was it you know you did one tv appearance yeah, and then yeah. you're absolutely set for life and he went on and it was a live show and he just had a terrible gig and it just it was or couldn't have and one of the other comics of his generation was telling me about it and saying it was just awful because that was it that's just oh. you done then that's yeah. like well you're not gonna ever get on telly now so you know that's so unfair though it's just mad isn't it bad gigs. i know and i think there would be nothing like now a gig to like 18 million people if it was Parkinson's yeah or yeah yeah the whole then, country has yeah. seen you fail because i mean now even if you do like one of the big stand-up gigs i mean if you die then they can edit it to yeah. make it look like you haven't, <laughs> yeah. basically. And, uh, they're, you know, they're very kind and they make everyone look good. But, you know, because it does happen even on the big TV shows. Yeah. You know, you hear stories of people who've had a, a terrible gig. And, um, yeah, and you, you know, you just kind of make it work. And that's what you learn as well is um, when you are dying on stage, don't acknowledge it it's a difficult it's a really difficult one isn't it because there's yeah. if you sort of if it's starting to go a bit wrong like you can kind of maybe win it back by addressing it but once it's gone spectacularly wrong you've got to just kind of ignore it and leave the stage but try <laughs> yeah. and do that with some shred of dignity intact and that is a you know it's a very difficult thing to do but i think it is a great skill for life because it's all about knowing when to quit yeah and knowing also having although stand-up is incredibly egotistical um and it's such a sort of selfish pursuit but i think stand-ups do have a sense of empathy for the audience (laughs) and you do feel you know you know you know that they're suffering yeah so you know there's yeah you kind of want to just say look um it's not going very well I'm just going to go, you're not enjoying it, I'm yeah, not enjoying yeah. it. But I guess sometimes you have to plough through. Well, and if you if you acknowledge it that explicitly, then it can make them feel bad. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah, because what you want to do is just Wait, pure honesty. Wait, why you laughing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what you really want to do. Yeah. Oh, blame them. Yeah. Well, this went brilliantly yesterday. Is, I don't yeah, know what... <laughs> I've seen, do I need to yeah, explain yeah, yeah. the jokes to you? Because these are really good. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, actually, because there's no one way of dealing with dying. And there is there's something glorious when you see someone who deals with dying by blaming the audience, really? Like, yeah. Mm. Oh, too clever for you, is it? Oh, going over <laughs> yeah. your head. I love that. Absolutely yeah. bloody love it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just find it endlessly fascinating, and I'm sure it's not to. I apologise to your listeners, but to comedians, it's a source of endless fascination, isn't it? That we do you, I was thinking when you see it, when you see someone else, it happens to someone else when you're playing a gig yes. together or something. Do you do you rally round each other a little bit? Yeah. There, well, is no, there's no. Is there any glory in seeing like? Uh, there's a, a, a bit comrade, of relief. Let's like, be honest. There's there. a bit of relief. So you because think, oh, that's right. They're, they're, they're not doing so well and I'm on after them. It does happens. tend to uh, favour the act afterwards. Yeah. It does, which is the sad reality of it. And also, if you've been on and not really done that well, but then someone's absolutely died, then obviously yeah, <laughs> you've yeah. suddenly moved yeah. up a notch in the <laughs> ranking. So, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, that is the, the bald, honest truth about yeah. it. But having said that, 
comedians do genuinely love and respect each other most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, there is also that kind of you know you know how it feels. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, when I started in the nineties doing comedy, it was a blokey world, mm. and there was in a way that was quite nice because it was much you know like oh man oh that was shit wasn't it you know and then you'd be sort of just bullied out of it really um whereas now people are a bit more sensitive which can be lovely but can also just sort of rub salt into the wound I mean, yep. not all salt is good. We should no, point no, that we should, we should. out. Well, salt being I'm rubbed into confused. wounds. <laughs> I'm very confused. Was that difficult then, being a female comedian then at that time? It was. I mean, you know, swings and roundabouts. Really, in a way, you stood out because there weren't that many. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I uh, some of the things I look back on now. I mean, but I can talk about them, and that's the lovely thing. Is yeah. like now. So I, in my last show, I've talked about. There was a gig I did in Maidstone, where the entire audience started singing "Get Your Tits Out" at me <laughs> before <Nice>. I <coughs> literally hadn't said a word. And my um, little gag was, oh you know, God. it shows a woeful misunderstanding of stagecraft. Because if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to open with it, am I? You know, it's like <laughs> badoontish. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a real. Um, that was a. a proper shocker that wow. I was like oh my god I cannot believe that that I mean and I there's just nothing you can do in that situation you are powerless and that's a horrible feeling because you're powerless because you're a woman um mm. and I mean they were vile that audience were vile yeah. to the men as well but there was always some hope of coming back from that whereas mm. I think you know and I think back then the attitude was well look you know we've all got it tough you just get on with it Whereas now I think that there is more of an appreciation that maybe y- there are some things that, that misogyny or racism or or phobias and, and prejudices of all kinds contribute to. Um, and I'm very grateful to social media for that because I think it's given yeah. a lot of people a voice to say, hang on a minute, actually, yeah. that's not quite, quite as right. straightforward yeah. as someone just being you know unpleasant they're unpleasant with an agenda which is harder to you've got to know what that agenda is in order to be able to defeat it really yeah. and I mean I think I did negotiate so I was then armed with aha okay so the audience are gonna see woman before they see anything else so actually they're not thinking I'm a southerner or young or <clears throat> anything they're just thinking there is a woman on stage and we are freaking out what can you do mm. about that and so I would gently walk them through the fact that I was a woman and um, which, you know, I shouldn't have had to do, no. but I did have to do. And in a way, as a comedian, there's always some assumption that people are going to make about you um, or something that you kind of have to address. And it, I think what did irritate me slightly was that women female comedians were often blamed for it, it was like oh god all women talk about is being women and you know the and it's like well yeah because you have to do that it's yeah, not like yeah. we're trying it's not yeah, like yeah. we go out going like well all i want to do really is talk about what you know whether this audience member wants to have sex with me or not but it, because if the first thing they say to you as soon as you come on is well i wouldn't shag you then you've got to deal with that because otherwise yeah, you've lost yeah. your authority yeah. but also men male comedians talk about being a man as well, yes, all the time. But because that's the default, then it's not yeah, noticeable. And exactly. I think, again, that's something that I certainly couldn't have articulated that until other people have enabled me to do that because I never really thought about it that deeply because, you know, you're just in it and you're doing it mm. and you're just getting on with your life. Mm. And 
Um, and also, I am quite lazy, so I don't tend to <laughs> analyse things. And I had, yeah, and I'd never thought, actually, do you know what? There were certain challenges that I faced that probably changed, definitely changed the nature of what I did. Because when I started doing comedy, of course, I had the agenda of saying, I'm not going to be a female comedian. I'm just going to be a comedian. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about all the women things. And then suddenly, a few years down the line, I was like, I seem to be talking about <laughs> the fact that I'm a woman. But... You know, I never gave it that much thought, but now in hindsight, I think, well, it was, I was trying to fit into that world and that was the way that I did it. And I could have been more of a maverick, I think, and stuck to my guns a bit more. And in some ways I wish I had, but you do what you do, don't you? Mm. Well, but you also could have been put off. I'm just thinking about that gig. There could have been so many comedians then who would have thought, oh, this is just, this is too much for me to try and overcome. Yeah, yeah, But actually you kind of turned it into a positive and and worked your way through it and and progressed. A lot of people would have, you know, given up. Well, this is true. Obviously, that is literally the sort of audience I would hate to play for, like terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you turned it into positive. Yeah, I mean, and I suppose the more outrageous it is, the more it gives you a little bit of fight as well. So, I mean, I think that, did make me yeah. just go, hang on a minute, I'm not standing for that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think yeah, if you really want to, I mean, the, the even when I started doing comedy, you had to really want to be a comedian because everything was against that ever happening. Mm. Um, and I think even more so now, I think it's possibly hard if you're a young comic now. And um, so, yeah, that kind of drive and determination and sheer pig-headedness is, is very useful. And again, you know, useful thing for life, just mm. to be a little bit... Uh, obstinate and uh you know difficult <laughs> gets you places doesn't it i would i mean i wouldn't know because i'm not <laughs> i'm very much a rollover sort of person yeah well but again you see you're not because look at you you're doing your podcasting and you're doing your comedy and true. you're doing you know you're, you're getting true. out there and doing it I've enjoyed this pod. This is <laughs> I feel like we're boosting each other. Well, yeah. The thing about podcasting, and I am a huge fan, and it, I am so excited about the fact that all my life, all I've really liked listening to is speech and stories, mm. and all I've had is Radio 4. Yeah. And now the world has come alive <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah. and oh my gosh, and I just absolutely love it. And I think the great thing about it is that Anyone, you know, more or less anyone can do it. And I hope that, you know, we will facilitate everyone being yeah. able to do it. Because I think mm. there are voices that are massively underrepresented in podcasting. Because, of course, it is people like us who are like, yes, <laughs> I think I will give it a go. Yeah, yeah, I, people yeah. do want to hear what I want to yes, well, We were, we were very lucky, very lucky to be at the British Podcast Awards a few weeks ago. Well, you deserved yeah. to be at the British well, Podcast you, Awards. Yes. Um, but there was a massive range of podcasts there and loads yeah, of different huge, categories. Yeah, yeah. And, you and actually, and it was, we hadn't. I came know. away from that being like, I've got to listen to so yes, many new podcasts. Yes. I was like, I haven't heard any of these podcasts. <laughs> I know, I know. It's Isn't it terrifying yeah. that there is a whole world out there? And I mean, there are too many, as there is with all culture now. It's yeah. like, there's just yeah. too many. Just stop making stuff, everyone. <laughs> but at the same time, don't, because yeah. I really, you know, I, I've got into true crime, which I never oh, thought would too. happen. Case but, file. Oh, my God. No, I don't. That's one that okay, it's not so even on my list. File and uh, they walk among us. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. they walk among us. Everyone said that. So that's, oh, that's I'm just UK making a note crime. on my phone. <laughs> they're sort of. Because I've only been listening to the American ones and the Australian okay. ones. So the case files an Australian one. Oh, is it? I love the Australian um, ones. Yeah, because they do like to like <laughs> outback 
Wolf Creek type It's such an amazing... Also, because the American ones are all very slick and they're all very kind of breathy and, you know, he was a murderer who walked amongst us. And then all the Australian ones like, he was a bloody dickhead. Oh, my God, he killed a load of people. (laughs) Sorry for that. (laughs) The the approach is so cool. It's really good. Well, those two, it's just literally... um, First person monologue types of thing, you know, like just a person reading the story out. Yes. And, and it's, they're great, they're so in depth. Oh, and you listen to them at night and you get all like, oh. And you hear the backstory for the victim, and it's. You are right, though, there, there is too many podcasts. Yeah. Like one day we'll all be like, hi, I'm Jim. And, and what podcast do you do? <laughs> yes. what, what's your podcast called? Like, you feel like well, you may as well have one now. Yeah, and I think that's well. great. I think, you know, that's that's as it should it's be. Like, yeah, that we like all have a, yeah. a means of artistic expression and outlet. And, I mean, the problem is, of course, that it takes up a lot of time and nobody makes any money out of it. And yeah. that's the one thing that <laughs> we really <laughs> need yeah, to... If we could sort of change that, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, in no way, you know, does is that... It, 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 because it is, like, a really fun, amazing thing to do. And, you know, but, it is, yeah, it's just a difficult one, isn't it? Because it, we're all at it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just... I. I I kind of think, yeah, we need to find other ways. It's like, someone said it's like the Wild West, and it kind of is, isn't it? Mm. There's just, nobody, there's no rules. Everybody's sort of doing it like a sort of gold rush thing where everyone thinks, ah, and we'll make money, and nobody's making money. I mean, for us, I have to say, when we started the podcast, um, it was really for one well, for me i can't speak for jim necessarily but for me it was a chance to connect with people it yeah. was money for me it was money life. it was money it was a chance to actually connect with people in real life and mm. talk to people that i admire and, and inspired by and, yeah and, and actually spend some time with jim as well so it for me it was more about the human connection oh, well, and that sounds a bit um, fluffy and no, but like that's the best possible yeah. reason to do yeah. a podcast. But that, and that is that is why I wanted to do it, you know, and actually talk to other creatives and, or, you know, like I say, and actually, yeah, hear their stories and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and find out how they do things. No, yeah. and it is a lovely, it's a lovely thing you've created, and it is, and I think all the best podcasts come from a place of passion and love, and I mean that's why the best ones are the niche ones, really, because. You know, it's someone's personal passions are always really interesting to listen to. I mean, because I the one that me and um, Jenny do, Fingers on Buzzers, the quizzing one. I mean, that was purely just that we're such quiz fangirls that we wanted to basically we wanted to talk to Henry Kelly, <laughs> and I'm pleased to say we just managed to do it. But yeah, it Amazing. was really it was like Going I would, for gold. Yeah, I mean, it was such one a huge part of my quiz life. Shows all the time. Well, and I mean, without wishing to sound over dramatic about it, I do think quizzing has kind of given me a sort of focus and purpose, and it, it's done a lot for me. And I've met people, and like even when I was a kid, it was the one thing that I was good at. And when you're a kid, there's got to be the one thing yeah, you're good at. And yeah. I strived so hard to find it because I was <laughs> never really, because I wasn't the class clown. No. And I wasn't the, you know, super bright or anything. But I was good at quizzing. And that kind of gave me some uh, a sort of an identity. And then all through my life, it's been something that I've just really liked. Because it's like, for me, it's like meditation. That doing a quiz is where I find my flow. And, so what kind uh, of quizzes do you do? You do do you follow sort of like TV quizzes or yep, 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 quiz yep, yep. Kind of all of it, anything, <laughs> anything <laughs> quiz. If you could do me a quiz right now, that oh, would be my, I mean, I would literally, quizzes. I would quiz the whole time. I like quizzes. <laughs> I got to go on eggheads. 
Yeah, I love Never Done That One. What was it like? Tell us everything. What was Dermot like? (laughs) We had, it was Jamie Vine. Oh, it was Jeremy Vine, okay. Uh, It was an author special, so I was with some other authors. Mm -hmm. We had Frederick Forsyth was our team captain, right? Uh, I lost, I was in the booth. At the uh, back. Okay, I, yes. I got one question wrong oh. because That's my the team, yeah, my team was so unknowledgeable about the eggheads. They said that I should choose Barry to do because I did sport, right? And they oh. said go for Barry, and I should have done Chris because yeah. Chris is rubbish on sport. Yeah, Chris apparently. is not. He's not fun. Yeah, and Barry was quite good. No, what was the question? Can you remember? Um, it was about boxing. Okay. And oh I yeah. Know. I had to struggle with I can't remember. Yeah. I got I got there was a tennis one and a another one that I got I got those right and then yeah. I got the third one wrong and he got and he even I mean the problem question. is sport is just too it, you know it's massive sport yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. it's just it's I felt insane. a bit gypped I would rather have had like um like entertainment yeah. yeah. You've got to go niche. That's yeah. the thing, you know. You've got to find Anyway, so we got anyway, we did quite well. We got to the last and we were about to win mm. the prize, right? Oh. There was one it was sudden death. We had the question yeah. and Frederick Forsyth was very forthright and decided that he knew the answer to the question. Oh, and you've and got to defer oh. to Daddy Forsyth, haven't well, you? Yeah. And that's <laughs> I mean, what you're happened. not gonna stand well, up. And to the him. lady who there was two of them left, so there was me and um there's three of them, sorry. And I me and another lady were in the back. And yeah, um he overruled them. And we lost. Oh And did you know what it was? I didn't know, but the two women who were on the team did know. Well, yeah. and, he, and they were still in the game. And yeah. He oh, and he yeah. overruled them. We didn't win. I mean, that's a bold move. Yeah. That's it a was, kind of yeah. ballsy foresight yeah. move, classic isn't foresight. it? It was classic <laughs> foresight. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think I know this one. Yeah, no, yeah. I well, it was a bit like that. He was like, oh, actually, I think I... Uh, 1785. Uh, yes. And then they yeah, did it. Oh, and okay. then we're like, ah. Oh. No. Never mind. What's your Never speciality? Mind. Or are you an all-rounder when it comes to quizzes? Um, well, definitely not sport. Right. I mean, right. A- anything but sport. ABS, that's me. Um, <laughs> anything but sport. I, no. I, I mean, so when I did... So I did Celebrity Mastermind, and I chose <gasps> Steve Martin as my subject. <gasps> nice. So, I mean, yeah, comedy, entertainment, all of that sort of stuff. But yeah. um, so case in point, you see, Mark Watson, who was on the same show, he did the World Cup since... 1979 wow, or something, I think. I mean, it was mad. I was like, I just, I feel awful because basically I've sat and watched Three Amigos <laughs> oh, and The God. Jerk. Yeah, I and I mean, I love Three Amigos. I love every Steve Martin film. Even the rubbish Steve Martin films are watchable. I will Which, I will what, what, make what a case for the, um, you know, Pink Panther. Awful as it is. Really? No, actually, I was going to say that's, you've gone too far there. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how <laughs> my love of Steve Martin knows no bounds. And then, you know, I had to learn a little bit about bluegrass banjo, but that was no, yeah. you know. No, no, no difficulty. So, how much um, did you score on your? Can't remember. remember. No. It's um, it's a source of great <laughs> chagrin to Richard Herring and Rob Deering, who are also fierce quizzes because they they changed the timing or something after I won the Our Celebrity Mastermind. Oh. They changed it so now you can't score as much as I scored. No way. So they're like, but we did return it business. You changed Mastermind for Basically, like you broke your local paper. I broke Mastermind. They were like, "This is we've got to change this up, guys. She's too good. We can't let this happen again. Humphreys was in tears. The audience were carrying me around at shoulder height. The whole thing went crazy. We trashed TV. That's why TV Centre closed down. We trashed it that night. And Mastermind was never the same again. So did you get a little trophy? 
Yeah, oh, have I oh, got that amazing. prominently displayed in the house? I yeah. think you'd find I have. That and uh, Testination. That's the quiz, really, to have won. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm mopping up the crumbs now with yeah. the others. But yeah, no, it's, uh, but yeah, our, our trophy shelf is all my husband's, uh, you know, BAFTAs and RTS and all They're of all those. <laughs> I'm like, that's the one. Front and centre, yeah. the mastermind. So you obviously did well on the general knowledge bit as well, then? Did all right on the general yeah. knowledge, yeah. Did you pass? There were a couple that I was annoyed about. I didn't get... Um, there was a question about Nepal that I got wrong. Oh. Um, yeah, there were a couple. That's frustrating. I know. It's, it's, well, you know, I always... Can't get them all right. Though. Well, I know, no. but that's it's one of the few areas in life in which I am a perfectionist. Okay. Oh, well, really and I, I guess... Watch this segue. I guess... Mm. On quizzes, when you have segues. a when you have a blank moment and you can't think of an oh, answer, it's probably yes. quite similar to a creative blank moment. Well, it is. Well, you know what you're going to do and what you can do, but you can't. Get yeah. It. Oh, yeah. You're fumbling around in the dark. Very well done, by the way. That was slick <laughs> as hell. Same twenty five podcasts. That'll be in the the podcast awards next year. That'll be the clip. <laughs> moment That'll of the be year. the absolute moment of the year. That <laughs> segue. There'll uh, be segway, professional segway, segway, broadcasters segway. all over the country standing. Do- I'll get Henry Kelly on the phone actually <laughs> and say, "Listen, this young lad, this he lad, just yeah. did yeah. a segue that He's you would not believe. Never <laughs> <laughs> He's breaking segways. <laughs> the segue game just changed forever, <laughs> and this guy changed it. Well, we've all changed something, haven't we? Exactly. We all, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, it totally is uh, terrifying in the same way as. I mean, I have been on stage doing comedy and completely dried a few times in my life. And normally it's when you're doing new stuff, so doing an Edinburgh preview. Mm. Um, so every June and July, we comedians, we do our little previews for the shows we're going to take to the Edinburgh Festival. And again, laziness. Laziness is the theme. So I am woefully underprepared. I always think I'll start writing it when I send in the blurb <laughs> to the brochure yeah. in February or March. Never never start then. What I do is I buy a load of books on the subject, whatever I'm theming the show around, and then they sit untouched for months. And then, so June and July, I'm panic writing. And the problem is you're trying to cram so much information into your brain yeah. that your brain just at some point just goes, no, actually. No, no, this isn't happening. And uh, the feeling of standing there and not only not being able to remember the new material you've written, but also not being able to remember anything you've said on stage for the last 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's extraordinary. How could you even do that? Like there's there's 20, well, there's so about 13 Edinburgh shows somewhere in this swirling grey matter. You must be able to rehash one of them. I know, exactly. There must be some old bit of something, but nope, nothing will come. And it is... uh, it is a terrifying thing, but again, it gets less terrifying as time goes on. And that is the wonderful thing about getting older is all of that stuff that you go, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't phase me anymore. Because, mm. you know, if it doesn't happen, I will sing a song <laughs> <laughs> and people will be baffled. But I yeah. have done that. I've sung. Well, they'll probably laugh. They probably <laughs> will. Well, I've sung Petula Clark's Downtown. Have you? To what cover is... a particularly <laughs> tricky. Uh, and I'm not a singer in any way, shape or form, but uh, audiences are very forgiving, especially when they know that that's what's happening. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, letting people into your personal thoughts yeah. is often a good idea. You know, it, it, when it, when you're really dying, as we've established, then that can be a dangerous game to play. But when you're just mucking about, 
and you tell people I've completely forgotten everything that I've ever said in the last 20 years, they love that because that is human huh. and relatable. Yeah, yeah, well, because you're letting them fun. into your vulnerability as well in yes. that moment. And they're getting something one-off and special in a way. And audiences love it if they get this. This is yes. the only night this happened. Yes. And I was there. Well, Most audiences love that. Yeah. <laughs> you will always find <laughs> you get that one audience. the one audience yeah. who are like, no, actually, we've well, paid quite we, a lot yeah, of money yeah, to see this. So, yeah. Yes. Well, I guess it, you are vulnerable as a stand-up comedian, aren't you? Because it's just you generally up there on the stage I know I love it when actors because actors are always brilliant for whenever you meet an actor they always go oh darling I couldn't do what you do mm. and you know it's like, like Frances Barber the first time I ever met her and she's like one of the best I mean she's amazing and she was like oh darling well I couldn't do what you do and I was like I think you probably could actually <laughs> <laughs> I think most of your great actors probably could uh, turn their hand to it in their sleep but let's not tell them that no don't let them know that no but uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately for me, my husband, who is an actor, has also done stand up and comedy. So my he's wife's the same. not. But yeah, it's so annoying, it's so annoying isn't it? And she can sing as well. Oh, it's triple threat. That's so unfair. <laughs> Some number of threats, threat. quadruple threat, quintuple I'm not even a single threat, I'm like a half threat. No. <laughs> yeah, but you're the king of segways, so it's all right. I'm like, I can do segways, though. King of segways. Yeah. She, she ain't got shit on me. <laughs> Let's get you a mug. King of segways. Oh, my God, yeah. Then they'll think it's the, the driving uh, ones. Oh, oh, that no, it's yeah. spelled very differently. In fact, they'll yeah. think it's king Is of it? seags. Yeah. Because that's what everyone thinks. Yeah, Sieg. <laughs> the Sieg. I, I think that was probably God. how I said it the first time I saw it written down. I think down. I did as well. It's like quinoa, isn't Segway. it? You say quinoa. Oh, yeah, I'm just. I'm sticking with quinoa. I yeah. feel like I've earned the right now. Yeah. That I'm like, you know, that I was saying quinoa. Well, I think it, it probably is quinoa originally, but they've someone's. Yeah, they've gutted it up. It up. Do you know? Um, I was listening to in our time and Melvin Bragg. And I love In Our Time, absolutely love yeah, it. And uh, Lord Bragg comes on and he goes, today we will be discussing the novel by Miguel Cervantes, Don Quixote. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, yes, I've heard that one as well. And it's like, uh, so we've all what? educated ourselves to say Don Quixote. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly you're, you're intellectuals, they're now going, it's oh, I tell you what, this all... Though, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quixote? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's how we say it apparently. That sounds like a... Like a poll. Oh, so that was uh, right. Yeah, so you Melvin Bragg and all the academics are like, uh, I think some of them were struggling to get on board with it. Yeah. I think there were a few uh, lapses. Were there? But I think, yeah, no, it's just one of those things. It's your. Quixote sounds. Don Quixote. That's yeah. what you want to say, isn't it? It's yeah. lovely. But, yeah. I know someone that once called it. Book. I know someone yeah. that called it Falafel. Falafel. Instead of falafel. 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 Yeah. It was wrong, but I liked it. My mum used to say ravioli. And broccoli. That's Anything that people is, do um, to say things. I like that. Yeah. Actually, my I should probably shouldn't say this. My mother-in-law, she says chorizo. Oh, yeah, put she's put an extra eye in there. Well, but I mean, but it I, sounds, uh, to it me, sounds it actually good, sounds actually, yeah. nicer. Oh, yeah. I have yeah, never had like... more abuse for anything than for pronouncing that sausage. I'm not even going to try and say it now, but that that's uh, spiced Spanish sausage that you've just referred to. Not chorizo. Um, the, well, right, okay, you say it. You can take the letters, Giles, because they will come in. People have, I can't even remember how I said it. I said, because I don't have a consistent pronunciation, right? I could be chorizo, okay. chorizo. Yeah, I mean, I just mix it up however I feel. Chorizo, if I'm really, yes. you know, yeah, if, if I've had a couple yeah, of sangrias, then it's going to be chorizo. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, people are absolutely furious. Did it said it on Radio 4 and the letters, the emails. Wow, really? Oh, weeks of it. How did bit. you pronounce it then? Well, this is the thing. I don't know. I it's such a painful one. experience that I wiped it from my <laughs> memory. But whichever one it was, it was clearly 
Clearly wrong. I don't want to make that mistake again. I can't. Melvin Bragg's writing in. I've just cleared yeah, my inbox. Don't make it fill up again. <laughs> it's taken me years. <laughs> it's quixotic. Because <laughs> <laughs> quixotic. I mean, you do say quixotic. Yeah, yeah. So I get that there may be some discussion. But anyway, yeah, it just it annoyed me. I get annoyed within our time all the time, actually. What could with pronunciations? No, just, just general. general like? Because he can be a little bit, you know, grumpy with people and then there's and then there's people with mouth noise they're not as well. academic as him maybe or well or they're trying I to steer I think I listened to the quicksote yeah one. yeah yeah um, oh there was a great one about if you want to listen to one where he gets quite arsy there's uh, one about the reign of terror where uh, some I can't even remember what the gist of it is but there's the a reign of terror <laughs> <laughs> it's the Reagan yes that's how that's how we pronounce that but uh, yeah, one of the academics he gets really cross with at one point, and you're like, because it's live, you're like, oh yeah, this is yeah, this is quite edgy. But, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's my little tip for you okay. if you want to hear Melvin get a little bit testy. I mean, when I say you know he completely loses it, it's like you know when the Daily yeah. Express pull bits out of TV yeah, shows yeah, yeah. where they're like contested because well, I did the chase. Oh, and did um, how did you get on? Well, I mean, well, I've done it twice. One both times. <laughs> and I cannot say how the second one went okay. because oh. it has not been broadcast. Okay. But we'll just um, let's yeah. just assume. Let's just think the best <laughs> for now. But um, the first time I did it, there was uh, Bradley Walsh and I had a sort of fun altercation. And then the next thing I know, my auntie is phoning up going, oh, my God, what happened? It said in the Daily Express that there was a furious row between oh, you and Bradley oh, Walsh. No. And, they, and they do it with the chase quite a lot bait, where it? they do that. Yeah, yeah, furious Bradley storms off set when the <laughs> contestant <laughs> pronounces chorizo wrong. <laughs> you know, they do that with um, poor old Damon Hans and his wife. They always putting yes. things about them always rowing mm. oh they'd god yeah they probably have this idyllic marriage oh yes I, well and I hope that they have the strength to just ignore it all I hope, so. I hope yeah. that their mate has taken their email password yeah. like yours has <laughs> yeah. and is you know because it must be so aw- I mean and having seen fame over the years you know known people who've become very famous mm. relatively quickly and I mean it is awful you just mm. think god it's so awful um, and obviously there is recompense and I understand why people say well they brought it on themselves you're mm, in the public mm. eye but oh, I just wouldn't like being they the fodder for those kind of magazines where yeah. it's all about your cellulite and your marriage mm. and everything is unpicked I mean it just must be well, there are, hard not to get drawn into there are there, there are lots of people who are, get famous through doing their craft and almost don't ask to be famous they just do because they're good at it and there mm. are other people who become reality TV celebrities and you know maybe maybe that's a different way of attracting yeah. fame but uh, we live in a weird kind of toxic society where we all just want to have a pop at each other I know and actually the I reality like people it. you know that is a you know th- they are doing a job and there is and people enjoy it and people are yeah. fascinated by them and stuff and I just I do think nobody deserves what they get and I think we are seeing a bit of pushback though aren't we because yeah. there's been you know I mean awful um, mental health crisis um because I mean it's just really I, I think fame is one of those things that it's impossible to prepare for but having a craft or having some sort of support network as yeah. well because that's the other thing is normally you know like comedians I know who've become very famous they still can hang out with their yeah, comedian yeah. mates and it just and also yeah keeping friends that you've had 
who because I think the problem with reality stars as well is that often because all your friends are on the show as well yeah so you're all going through it whereas I think famous people do sort of need real friends yeah. to remind them that there is a, that this isn't all that life is you know whereas they're in this weird Truman show kind of existence that's very true yeah. sort of bringing them back down to earth a little bit and just yeah I mean yeah. I should maybe hire myself out as reality TV show mate where I'll just be the or mum you know because they <laughs> yeah. also they're often like their mums are on the show and you go well you yeah, the one yeah. thing you don't want is for your mum yeah to be involved I mean that's the basic problem with the Kardashians I think is that it's you, you can't have yeah. generations yeah your mum needs to be keeping it real yeah, that's think. so true you know I mean it just it's difficult I've never watched that show actually. I've never I've never seen it actually so I shouldn't Tim. make any no. pronouncement and people no. I know really love it and are you know big fans of theirs and again you know sort of say well they they do what they do really well and yeah. it's just that I don't understand it really yeah. so I mean yeah I never get into commenting on all of that stuff because I mean all the reality show stars I've met by the way who it's usually through quizzing <laughs> um, Charlotte from Geordie Shaw and Arj from uh, I'm going to be honest here Giles <laughs> 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 they're not on the show for their general <laughs> knowledgeability uh, they're there to be lovely and they are and they're really you know they've been really nice and down to earth and they know what they're about and you know I've I've, I've never found any of them to be arseholes or precious or difficult, you know. I mean, I think good on them. Really. Yeah, and you're right. People, well, people are watching. Yeah. They're providing a service. People yeah. are watching and enjoying it. So, yeah, fair play. And if you don't like it, do your don't own thing. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. watch it, you know. I mean, I'm not into those kind of shows, but, you know, I don't have a problem with anybody being Yeah, yeah. and I mean, because th- now it is so easy to find an outlet. I've, I mean, I just think people who moan and carp about other people... I, I just don't see any need for it now. It's like, go, just go and watch Netflix. Like, there's no... Yeah. There, you can't be bored. You it's not cannot like we had be bored enough. It's not before we had four channels, you know. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you had to watch something yeah. that wasn't necessarily the thing you wanted to watch. Oh, no, know. and I still get it. Like, if, if you're on mainstream telly, I understand that people will be furious with you, and that is fine. And because it, when you're on TV, you do look like you're delighted with yourself. It's just the nature of the beast, and people have every right to say what are you doing looking so smug on Matelli you know <laughs> and that is fine have but you had that kind of criticism oh itself? yeah really? but I mean I think you are I think what everyone is discovering now is what it's game then there are just some people who will always want to have a go mm. and they are I mean I don't know I mean sometimes I think it's people think they're being useful and helpful by telling you that they think you're awful and you should stop doing what you do, right? And yeah. I guess that's... I, they must, on some level, feel that that is useful to you. Um, but... And, 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 I mean, I do think there is a place for criticism and responding to people's objections to what you do. I mean, you know, obviously as a comedian, there's giving offence is a, a huge topic now and there's lots of mm. heat around that. And, I, you know, I think a lot of it is just overblown like everyone's always taking offense at stuff and it's not really uh yeah i mean it's harder to manage now but i don't think it's any more sort of prevalent but um but yeah i mean i, I don't know I, i've completely lost the flow of what i was gonna <laughs> say <laughs> i was floundering the around moment. there and i just yeah. was like i've yeah. forgotten where i started with this but i'm having a lovely journey yeah me too um but yes uh, no you do get yeah you do get abuse for being on tv and i think mm. if you're on a mainstream channel 
then A, generally you're being paid an amount of money that kind of softens the blow of that. Mm-hmm. And B, you yeah, you kind of, you expect it. And that's always been the way, even mm-hmm. before social media. But now I do think you can you can be doing something like a podcast where you're really, you're no trouble to anyone and you're really not setting out to be like, look at me, I'm amazing. Mm-hmm. And people still feel that, oh yeah, no, it's fine to really unload mm-hmm. all their vitriol and bitterness on you. And I think, well, that's that's kind of not really on, is it? Yeah. It is a bit weird. I've, mm. I listen and watch, listen to and watch a lot of things and some I like and some I don't, but I've never felt the need to then go and track down that person on Twitter and say, no. that was rubbish. Or that was, I just don't no. watch it again. No, but I mean, I think... It goes I back to that age old adage, if you haven't got anything nice to say... Yes. Why why say anything? I mean, I, though, do feel a tremendous sense of guilt about, like, when I was younger, I would do material, like, about celebrities and stuff, which I now in no way in a million years would do. But I think when I was young, I thought... There was, you know, you define yourself by what you're in opposition to at points, don't you? And I think that's a really natural thing to do. Like when you're a teenager, you go, I don't like this because it's mainstream and I want everyone to know that I like the cool stuff and this is who I am and you're forging your identity. Exactly. (laughs) I am into Henry (laughs) Kelly (laughs) and the European quiz scene. Let nobody think that I'm not cool. And um, yeah, and that's is fine and then as you get older you i think you should just start to realize yeah. that well everyone's got their own tastes and a lot of the things that you thought were mainstream and crap actually you come to appreciate yeah. as well and and yeah and i definitely think when i was a younger comedian i would have a go at like whoever was in the news and i would i don't know i I can't honestly justify it even now but i think i sort of thought well you know exactly that they're fair game and you know it's just i'm just making a point about celebrity culture Mm. or you know yeah actually jerry halliwell uh you know she deserves it because like you know what's she ever done and And, now i'm like oh god what an asshole i was also that kind of thing that um it won't affect them you know, yes, right, yes, they're you know, too got, big to care. Yeah, yeah. Whereas no one's ever too big to care. Hurtful is hurtful, yeah. and it also, and it is, it's about what it says about you and how it reflects on you, and the fact that you will get to be forty-six and you'll still feel like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. You know, that was some time in my life that I could have been doing interesting stuff about things that I was fascinated in and I was just slagging someone off instead and I mean you know I live with that but if I could give a a lesson to younger comedians it would be uh, do stuff that you kind of feel if you're in any way thinking oh is that is that a bit mean should I really say that and I know that there are comedians who need to push the boundaries and you know um but yeah, there's definitely, and it, you know, it, everyone has regrets, and there's bound to be stuff that you, you know, you change your mind about or whatever. But I think even at the time, I think I probably could have, if I'd stopped and given pause, I would have thought, actually, do you know what? Why? That's just cheap and lazy. Mm. Lazy. Lazy comedy. Say it be the theme of the pod. From a lazy woman. It has been. Um, Lucy, it's been so good talking to you. Oh, such a um, pleasure. We normally really end the pod on just seeing the time as well. Yeah. Um, Sorry. But that's, that, that's when you know it's a good pod when the time just flies well. by. Um, we normally end the pod by asking our guests just for their advice on blank moments. Yes. Anyone listening um, um, who might be going through some. Uh, I mean, obviously, singing Petula Clark's Downtown <laughs> yeah, is obviously. a great panacea. Um, 
if you if you have a salt rinse to hand, yes. I always find that that does wonders. <laughs> Irrigate yourself nasally with salt is very. I love good. the idea of you just sort of like doing that, like. <laughs> Sorry, guys, one second. Snorting then, a load of salt. When you get lovely. <laughs> and that is you lovely. I mean, imagine the clarity of sound oh, that will be coming fantastic. out there. But uh, yeah, um, I would say. Um, I, I mean, I catastrophize quite a lot, but I think that can be quite useful. And uh, so I always kind of go into situations thinking it's going to go horribly wrong and then when it doesn't it's a pleasant surprise um but there is a little part of me that's always prepared for the blank moments and yeah and it's what you can learn from it as well isn't it it's like what why is it as i said with me if inspiration isn't coming then often it is because it's the wrong project at the wrong time or it's you know i'm just not connecting with it and you need to move on and try something different and i bet i mean everyone probably just says don't beat yourself up about it don't they i mean you know let's just keep saying it let's just keep saying i don't you know i don't mind being a cliche i am a mum after all (laughs) i'm used to repeating the words of others but yeah yeah i mean i've nothing has ever been worse than i mean so okay so having a blank moment is awful and feeling like you're not in control and not in charge is terrible. But at least in some way you are still in ownership of it because it's your mistake and it's you doing yeah. it. Whereas yeah. actually when you get a whole audience singing, get your tits out at you, mm. or when someone else has taken away your agency, then that is horrible. So make the best of it. Yeah. Do your thing. It, you're, you know, only you know what you can do, but you can do it. I mean, these are just absolutely mindless <laughs> platitudes now, aren't they? But I'm somehow. I'll can we have them. those put on a mug as well? Yeah, you can have King yeah. of Segway, and I'll have. <laughs> only you know what you do, so do it, or whatever it was I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that could be made into a beautiful meme with a sunset behind <laughs> yeah, it, be... yeah, I like that. I'm on it. Cool. <laughs> well, Lucy Porter, thanks yeah. for being on the pod. I'm off to buy some salt. Yes, yeah. everybody must <laughs> buy salt and local honey. And I bid you good work. Good there. Good morning. There, I bid you there. That's what I do. Blank moment. You see, very yeah. fitting. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you. So there you go, that was uh, Lucy Porter, an epic episode. It really was an epic episode and a real lovely time to spend with a lovely person. Yeah, really easy to talk to and yeah. just so experienced, so many great stories, just yeah. a real titan of the comedy game. Yeah, brilliant. And thank you so much to Lucy for coming on. It was, was a real treat to talk to you for that time. It really was. And speaking of treats, we, we get near daily, we get treats on Twitter, don't we, from people talking oh. about our pod. Which is such so nice many interaction. Lo- yeah, we've had so many lovely tweets and particularly about the Reese. Shearsmith podcast which went out the other week and uh, a lot of people talking about um, Reese talking um, mentioned about his shyness and that's really been a like a thing that people have cottoned on to and yeah. um, mentioned that they, they suffer from it too I've got one here from uh, Sharni Bops on Twitter Hello, saying yeah Jim Giles you've done it again the blank pod episode with Reese Shearsmith was incredible for someone who wants to get into the industry, hearing someone talk so openly about their fear of saying wrong thing and crippling shyness is so reassuring. So thank you. 
Brilliant. And, uh, yeah, so that's really... And there's been... An, we've been really, literally inundated with messages from people saying... Um, how much they got out of that podcast and particularly Reese's openness about his shyness, which is, yeah, you know, it was great. He was brilliant. Yeah. yeah and fantastic. really open and honest. And we really, really appreciate that. So thank you, Reese, for, for coming on and being so open. Um, if you want to send us a tweet, our Twitter handle is at blank pod. Uh, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook and our handles on there. At blank pod. We like to keep things simple. Yeah. Uh, so not too much to remember. Um, and you can email us as well. If you want to send us an email, something a bit longer email address is the blank podcast, 2018 at gmail.com. Nicely done. Uh, and next week we'll be back with another guest on the Blank Podcast. So um, have a good week, Giles. And you. Thanks, mate. Enjoy your live gig. Uh, I will. And hopefully see some of you guys there. Yeah. Um, have a great week. And we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.